Thank you, bud. Um, it's different being on, on this side of the screen this week. Uh, we've been enjoying uh, worshiping together over Facebook Live, and I just want to say thank you to Bud and Elizabeth and Jan and, and Kevin and, and everyone that's involved in, uh, in our media and, and making it possible for us to worship together even though we are apart. So we just really appreciate that. And I also wanted to mention that uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, Bud's been doing some really neat videos throughout the week, little words of encouragement, little words to inspire us in our Christian walk. And uh, if you haven't gone there yet, please go to Facebook, the New Haven Facebook page, and check those out. Well, yesterday morning, it, it was, you know, beautiful out, and uh, I was out in the garden getting ready to, to put in my final uh, things that needed to go in, and I felt my phone go off, and I looked down, and it was, it was a message from Pastor Larry. And uh, he was saying that he had kind of a frog in his throat and uh, asked me if I'd be able to fill in this morning. So I do appreciate him thinking of me, and uh, hopefully all the people watching on Facebook aren't dropping off right now. And, uh, but we'll have fun this morning. And as I, was, uh, as I was thinking about, you know, okay, now what am I supposed to preach about? And I had my, my AirPods in, and uh, there was a song. Um, it's called Peace Be Still. You might have heard it. It was playing in my headphones, and so I was like, I'm feeling kind of calm. And, and the lyrics go, you know, peace, sweet peace. And I looked down in my hands, and what was I planning? Peace. I'm like, God, I'm supposed to speak about peace today? Uh, I don't think that was the Lord. I think that was... Uh, that was uh, iTunes telling me that. Um, but as, as the day went on, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, let's talk about something simple today. Let's keep it easy. Let's talk about Jesus, his love for us, and how we need to pattern our lives after that love. I don't know what all you have been doing uh, as we've been apart. Maybe some new habits that you have taken up as, as being... Uh, staying safe at home during this pandemic time. I know that it took a few days for our, our dog, Fender, um, that he, for him to get used to us being home. There's Fender. And uh, he was like, why are these people home all day and why are they not paying more attention to us or to me? So uh, he has learned, though, that uh, by the time we get out, Michelle gets off her Chromebooks and I get off the computer, that it's time to go for a walk. And he can hardly contain his excitement waiting for us to get ready to take him for a walk. Maybe you've been doing more walking these days. Uh, you can't go, can't go too far, but walking is still good. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the, in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses the analogy of walking six different times. And five of them are in chapter five of Ephesians. He talks about walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. And today we want to focus on walking in love. The walk of love. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 tell us this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. So we're going to talk about the walk of love. What does the walk of love look like? How, how do I check my steps uh, to, to see whether or not I am working my way through the walk of love? Well, we'll see from these two verses here in Ephesians that the walk of love 
follows the Father's road signs of love and walking in love looks for the road of sacrifice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. And these songs that we have uh, sang today and as we have worshipped you just draw us to your love for us. Draw us to your sacrifice for us. Thank you that Jesus did pay it all. And thank you that because of his sacrificial payment, we have an opportunity to love like we've never had before. We thank you for your love that, that draws us to you. And today, Lord, may we uh, seek to, to measure our steps so that we are walking in the kind of love that Paul talks about here in Ephesians 5. In Jesus' name, amen. For better, for worse, our children inherit some of our characteristics. And uh, one thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this was uh, after a Tigers game, uh, we were in the, in the parking garage going back to our car, and I was walking with my sons, James and Andrew. We had our Tigers caps on, we had our jerseys on, and the girls were behind us, and all of a sudden we realized they were laughing. We were like, what's so funny? And they're like, you guys all walk exactly alike. It was kind of a humorous moment, but it's the idea that there's a way to walk, and there's a way that the Lord wants us to walk, and we need to inherit, it, inherit his walk from him the way our children might inherit our own walks. The Apostle Paul writes, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Watching a toddler or a baby move into toddlerhood is, is always, it's always kind of enjoyable. I know that uh, it's been fun for Michelle and I to, to keep track of baby Zach as he's kind of gotten into that walking stage and, and seeing some of the, uh, some of the videos that, that Hannah and Marcus put on Facebook. Because it's been a while, you know. And I feel like by the time we see Zach again, he's going to be shaving. But, um, it, you know, it, it's fun to still be able to, to, to see what, what he's doing as he takes his, uh, his first steps into the world. And I believe that's kind of how we need to look at what does it mean to walk in love. How do we prepare for it? Well, you see in, in, in chapter 5, verse 1, the word therefore. And that takes us back to chapter 4. In chapter 4, Paul's been talking about things like unity, things like pursuing, pursuing harmony, putting away things from our past life, and putting on our new life in Christ, living according to the reality of being in Christ. This is what he says beginning in Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and I insist on it, in the Lord, that you must no longer live or walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, another version translates it, they're hopelessly confused. If they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Verse 20. That, however, is not the way you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, 
to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And it's this new self, this new way of navigating life that, that Paul is referring back to here in, in chapter 5, verse 1. He says we learn to walk by being imitators of God the Father. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And the word imitate means, means to copy, uh, to pattern or model yourself after someone or something. Paul used it several times in his writings, but this is the only time where he says, be imitators of God. The word be means become. It's the idea of becoming. We probably um, like or don't like certain things maybe because of the influence of our dads on our lives. Um, in my house, we grew up as Browns fans. You despise the Steelers as a Browns fan. Later on, you despise the Ravens because they took our team away. They used to be the Browns. Um, that's part of, the, part of like growing up. You, you, just, you just learn things from your parents. Maybe it's learning how to cook a hamburger on the grill. Maybe you pick up an instrument or, or have other, some other kind of a, a hobby, woodworking or something like that because something your dad did, something that you enjoy doing because you did it with your dad. You were becoming, you were learning, you were imitating your father. Paul's saying we need to learn how to imitate, how to love the way our heavenly father loves us. And that word, uh, the, the idea of becoming means it's, it's a process. Just like a little baby trips and falls and sometimes it's, it's pretty frightening when they wipe out. Um, we're going to have the same kinds of things happen to us as we learn to live and learn to walk and learn to love uh, the way the Father has loved us. It's certainly not automatic. In fact, you may ask, how can I hope to imitate <laughs> the love of the Father. And fortunately, it doesn't completely depend on us, does it? Uh, but Bud mentioned earlier that we have the Holy Spirit. God has given him, given us part of himself. He's given him, us the Holy Spirit to help guide us, to help prompt us, to help mold us so that we can learn to love as God loves. If you, if you turn back to Ephesians 1 or scroll back, depending on what kind of device you're using today, we see God's love in action as it pertains to us, how God loved us so much. In verse 4 it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. This is telling us that we can walk in love because God loved us first, and that God brought us into his family through his son. He reached out to us before we ever considered loving him. 
His love is genuine, generous, gracious, merciful. His love is always seeking our best. And one of the neatest things about this verse is that it tells us that loving us and bringing us into his family gave God great pleasure. Uh, how, how enormous, how monumental is it to think that when God reached out to you and said, come, come to me, come become part of my family, that it gave him pleasure? Amazing. God's love is a pure an unmerited display of his grace for us. We don't deserve it, but he gives it, and he gives it at an incomparable cost. I think the lesson we learn from this is if we want to love the way that God loves us, it's going to cost us something. And in the next step of walking in love, Paul takes us to Jesus. He says, we imitate our Father, but who, who else to better pattern ourselves after than the Son? And we see that in Jesus, the way to walk requires that we travel the road of sacrifice. Verse 2, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Walking in love can be translated live a life of love. Live a life of love just as Jesus, our Savior, loved us. How do we live a life of love? By imitating Christ. How did Jesus love? Sacrificially. Here Paul compares Jesus' sacrifice uh, to a fragrant Old Testament offering. An offering that was pleasing to God. We, we think about the, horrend the horrendous death that Jesus suffered for us. Uh, Jesus paid it all. We sang that earlier. But in God's sight, it became a fragrant offering, a fragrant sacrifice. Well, what did Jesus' sacrifice look like? There's a few verses in the New Testament that describe what Jesus' sacrifice looks like for us. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In 1 John 4, verses 9 through 11, he puts it this way. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. 1 John 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. If we want to love sacrificially, we have to go down the path that costs. A path that costs us something.
In each of these verses, Jesus' love for humanity is displayed because of his sacrifice, because of his death. For Jesus, the walk of love led down a, a dusty road, a road that he could barely walk because of how tortured he was. And it led to a cross. His walk of love led to a cross. It led to his physical death, excruciating agony, separation from the Father. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. And because of that loving sacrifice, he's made it possible for us to be invited by God into his family and into a family relationship. That's the gospel. The good news that God loved us so much that he gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could become part of his family. The greatest act of sacrificial love the world will ever know. Romans 5.8 puts it this way. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a great walk of love. But how in the world are we supposed to follow that? How are we supposed to live sacrificially and love sacrificially? It's probably pretty much impossible if it's left to our own devices. But we have the love of God living within us and the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And it's because of that I believe Jesus could give that command to his disciples in John 15. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. Time and time again, the Bible confronts me with the truth that life is not all about me. Because that's my natural bet, to kind of filter things through how I feel, to filter things through what I think is best for me, to filter things through why doesn't everybody else see things the way I see them. Sacrificial love tells me I love people even if they don't see things the way I see them. In fact, it tells me I should give up some of my preferences, even give up some of my rights if it points people to the Lord Jesus Christ and it enhances the gospel. First John 3, verses 14 and 15, uh, carries a little further. It gives us a description of what loving each other looks like and also what it doesn't look like. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Man, that's harsh, isn't it? It's like, well, how am I supposed to love everybody? Well, he's talking about people in the family, isn't he? When Christians aren't getting along, 
when we're not loving each other. Jesus is saying you're acting as if you aren't even part of the family. I believe this verse is telling us that refusing to love sacrificially amongst each other means that there's some kind of a spiritual problem that needs to be addressed. In fact, Jesus says it's like hating another believer. You think back to his words in the Gospels where Jesus said, if you hate, you're a murderer. When we refuse to love sacrificially, we're letting ourselves be our benchmark instead of the sacrificial love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's, or John here is saying it's, it's so prevalent that it's almost as if you're living as if you don't even know what it's like to be a Christian. He's telling us that we must love each other in a sacrificial way. It means being mature enough and considerate enough not to impose my preferences, but instead be willing to lay aside my preferences and even my rights for the sake of love, for the elevation of the gospel. How to love like this is, is exquisitely stated for us in Philippians chapter 2, verses that I'm sure are familiar to many of us, but let's take a look at them real quick. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Paul's taking us back. He's saying, the way you think about love, the way you think about other people, filter it through the way Jesus loves and the way Jesus thinks about others. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. How many times do we use relationships to our own advantage? What am I going to get out of it? That's not love. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and made himself in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Walking in love not only means being sacrificial, but it means getting rid of a lot of me, doesn't it? He must increase. I must decrease. I must be humble. Walking in sacrificial love really is the road less traveled. But we see some road signs here in Philippians 2. When we're walking in love, we, we, we are possessing an others-oriented mindset. We're putting our rights and preferences on the shelf for the sake of someone else. We're loving, even when it's not convenient. We're loving, even when we don't benefit from it. And we are to continue in love, even if it costs us everything. That's not something we like to think about. You're not going to find a Hallmark card that says, love until it costs you everything. Let's wrap up 
with what Jesus said to his disciples that last night that they met together. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Why? By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is saying not only are we building unity in the family of God when we are showing love towards each other, but we're showing the world around us the gospel. We're showing the world around us a God who loves so much that he can change the way I think, the way I act, and the way I love. I believe that the pressures of, of living into this time of pandemic causes us to um, perhaps forget some of these truths, to set them on the shelf because, because we have lots of concerns. Um, we're concerned about our jobs. We're concerned if I'm going to have another job. Uh, we're concerned about finances and, and getting enough groceries and toilet paper. All these different things that, that, that fill up our minds, things that we didn't think about that, that much before. And, and it's affecting so many of us. And I think our message from the Lord is that even with all this going on, let's love each other. Let's love each other the way the Father did. Let's, let's be the first to act in love. Let's let our love be costly. Let's love the way the Son did. Let's do it sacrificially. Let's put others' interests, needs, and wants ahead of our own. You might have seen a meme that's been going around on Facebook, but I think it, it pertains to us in this time. And they'll know we are Christians by our, if you can't see it uh, at home, it says political put-downs, red line through it. Unkind memes, red line through it. Name-calling, red line through it. Divisive talk, red line through it. They all know we are Christians by our love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for taking uh, something that we as, as Christians uh, depend so much on, your love for us. Thank you for being gracious and merciful to each one of us, not only uh, to call us into your family before we had any right, any way of deserving to be there, that you reached out to us. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. You have shown us what true love is. You have shown us that it has a cost, that it requires sacrifice. But Lord, you've also shown us patience because each one of us, on a regular and daily basis, we, we either forget to love we don't even consider it or we choose not to but Lord uh, your love your patience with us is so great that we ask that you would help us to 
not only appreciate it, but to, in our walk and in our life, reflect that love to those in our families, to those in our church family, to those in, in the church in general, and Father, to our neighbors. Let, let us love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, with all, with all our strength. Lord, let us love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us be people that are known as Christ followers by our love. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.